This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR. R-A-Z-O-R. Hello, hockey fans. I'm Paul Bruno here with Andrew Fiorentino, and we are the great ones. Today is uh, Wednesday, February the 10th, 2016, our 16th show, and we have some great news off the top. Andrew, a shout out to my partner for winning the Fantasy Sports Writer Association's Hockey Writer of the Year. Congratulations, Andrew. Thanks, Paul. Uh, yeah, I was I was surprised. I was in the middle of a rec league soccer game when I got the call, so I missed it. I was going to get my chance to be on the radio and everything. Uh, didn't work out that way. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to be recognized the, to win a couple more. And well-deserved. And uh, you're not the only winner at Rotowire, as I understand. And I saw that we got... Uh, no, notifications about winning for uh, some of the apps that the company puts out as well as other writers. We have quite a stable and quite a list of accolades that came our way and uh, I want to echo a shout out to the rest of our winners and uh, congratulations to those who put the apps together that keep us at the forefront of the industry. Absolutely, yeah, and uh, Chris Liss, uh, Dave Regan, uh, and uh, CJ Redun, uh other guys from Rotowire who uh, picked up wins uh, congratulations to all those guys. Well, let's get down to the nuts and bolts of what we do, Andrew. On, on this show, uh, a couple of key defensemen came uh, came through uh, transactions this this week that took them out of the running for uh, work at the trade deadline uh, for local uh, scribes and and writers everywhere. The, I'm talking about Bu- uh, Dustin Bufflin and Dion Phaneuf. Dustin Bufflin gets a massive extension in Winnipeg. What does this mean to the Jets? The average hit is going to be $7.6 million for the next five years. My opinion, they got him on the cheap, and he could have got more money on the open market. 
But he, as we mentioned in our last episode, said that he really likes it out in Winnipeg. He's, he's from the state of Minnesota, and so that's not too far away. And maybe he was just content and happy there and willing to do the club a solid by, uh, by signing a very team-friendly deal, in my opinion, here. You know, uh, Buffalo has spent what, you know, what seems like practically his whole career with uh, the Winnipeg Jets uh, and one season as an Atlanta Thrasher as well, although he, he played a few years at the Blackhawks right at the beginning there. But he's, he's a Jet, and I uh, think this is setting him up to be a, a Jet for pretty much uh, the rest of, most of the rest of his career. Uh, I think it's a great move for Winnipeg to lock up a franchise player like that. I mean, as we were talking last week, coming up with a multitude of potential trade destinations for Buffalo, that's because there's no team that can't use a player like this. That's right. Very uniquely skilled, and the fact that he can play equally well on the forward lines as well as defense makes him a real rarity. I think Brett Burns in San Jose is the only other guy that qualifies that way. But what this does for for uh, Winnipeg, in addition, it kind of sets a bit of a cap ceiling on this roster because you'd have to look around and say, are there any guys that are more talented than this guy or mean more to the team? And I I can't come up with anybody, and so maybe he's done the team a real favor here by putting a bit of a ceiling on uh, the short-term uh, contract uh, cap hits that, that we could see uh, in the near term for uh, Winnipeg Jets teammates of his. And uh, on the other hand, though, I wonder what this means for an Andrew Ladd. The, the team captains had a very low profile this year with the club, and he hasn't had an Andrew Ladd-type season with the offensive numbers well down off his, off his norms, and uh, yet he's due for a new contract too. But it may not happen in Winnipeg. I think he'll be on the move, and maybe he is, even as early as the deadline, uh, we can see his name move on the transaction wire on the 29th of this month. So it'll be interesting to see how things turn out, but a, a real turn for Andrew Ladd, whose career kind of mirrors what's happened with the Bufflin. He started out with the Hawks, too, and won a cup there, but moved over to Winnipeg and has been a part of the team leadership there for years and years. But this year, something's changed, and maybe the Jets' management made a choice between the two players and that leaves Andrew Ladd on the chopping block, in my opinion. Yeah, you look at the uh, the Jets. They they have some cap space. Uh, they're about ten million under the cap now. Uh, you figure it's going to go up uh, a few million next year. So maybe they'll have thirteen, fifteen million of cap space. But they've got a lot to do this off season. Uh, not only to deal with uh, the future of Andrew Ladd, but also uh, Mark Scheifele is up for a, contra- a new contract. Adam Lowry is up for a new contract. Jacob Truba is up for a new contract. They're probably going to have to bring on another defenseman out of uh, free agency. So, yeah, they're going to have to spend some money. It's going to be tough to fit Ladd in if he wants that uh, kind of uh, Ryan Callahan sort of money, uh, five to six million a year. The second uh, big name to come off the transaction wire in a, was involved in a big trade, and that's Dion Phaneuf, a nine-player deal with the Ottawa Senators. He was the biggest name by far, Andrew, in this deal, and the Leafs were just uh, ecstatic to get his $7 million cap hit off the books for the rest of this season and the next four, Ottawa looks at it a bit of a different way, and, and this is a kind of a real-world way of looking at it. They're not a cap team. They're a team that won't spend to the cap maximum, so they're actually looking at what is the money that they're going to shell out for the rest of his term, and it's a far different scenario. It's, it's peaky, peaked at $8 million, but now in the next four years, it's going to go down to as low as six in, by the end of the deal, so it's a little more palatable to work into their their uh, cap situation and uh, makes it less of a concern from the salary cap that they have to worry about since they aren't a cap team. And uh, they're looking at things a little bit differently. They've got a core of their team that's a little bit older than the Leafs core, and their window of opportunity with this group is a little more near-term 
They're in a playoff race where the Leafs aren't. They feel this guy is a second-pairing defenseman. He's properly slotted in that spot going forward. And I think it, so it could turn out to be a win-win for both clubs, in my opinion. Well, I don't know. I feel like what did the, the Leafs really get back? The, this entire trade, I think, is, uh, is, is very strange. Because not only did they send Phaneuf, but they also sent a pretty decent defensive prospect in Cody Donaghy, a guy who's been looking pretty good in juniors this year. Uh, you know, and, and then you know other guys are just kind of filler, or the Matt Friends, Casey Baileys, and Ryan Ruperts of the world. But they got back practically nothing. I mean, Milan McCulloch is well over the hill. Uh, Jared Cowan is a bust. Colin Greening is a you know a quad A guy if, if he was a baseball player. Uh, they supposedly the word is that they really like uh, this Tobias Lindbergh that they got back. Uh, I have to admit I don't know a whole ton about him, but he hasn't exactly been a uh, a dynamo in the AHL this year. No, so he. It's not for me. I can tell you a little bit about him. He he's playing second line minutes, top six for Binghamton Senators, and. Uh, Got about 25 points in 40 games this year. Not world-beating numbers by any means, but uh, the fact of the matter is that DJ Smith, assistant coach with the Leafs, knows this kid and thinks he can get more out of him than he's shown. He he's coached him in the in the juniors and thinks he can get more out of them out of him than what he's shown in Ottawa so far. And you can't uh, snub the fact that Leafs also pride another second-round pick out of the Ottawa Senators. Uh, next season, not not at the end of this one, but at the following one. So they're, they're going for futures, but the big fish for the Leafs was to get out from under that massive contract, and I'll tell you, it, it, it uh, just makes me feel more confident about the proclamation that I made on our first show. Steven Stamkos is coming here. They're clearing the deck for that big contract, and even if Steven Stamkos doesn't come, the Leafs are going to be huge players in the free huge. market. They're going to be huge players. Huge players. Bernie yeah. Sanders thinks they're going to be huge. Exactly. So... Uh, That's right, I got my Bernie Sanders shout-out in. <laughs> and uh, kudos to him for winning the primary, too. Absolutely, uh, a 22-point win for Bernie Sanders in New Hampshire as we take a political turn. <laughs> and uh, But uh, I think that the Leafs are very well positioned going forward in terms of their current cap situation. They will also try and get out from under the Joffrey Lupul contract. He's on the IR right now with yet another injury. He's the, the biggest hit they have on the books now, at 5.25 million. So that to give our listeners a sense for just the the latitude the Leafs will have, if that's the tie-in of their contracts that they've shelled out, that should tell everybody that they're going to be in business to uh, make a, a big splash in free agency this summer. And the thinking is. Uh, Coming in line with uh, general thinking is coming in line with what I proposed at the beginning of the season. I see no way that Steven Stamkos doesn't come here. I'm putting the odds at 100% that that's happening. But the big deal for the Leafs is to get Phaneuf off the books. They also got Clarkson off the books a year ago. They also got Kessel off the books a year ago, losing about $23 million in contracts and only retaining 1.2. I think is a minor miracle that the Leafs have pulled off. <laughs> so, so uh, Leaf fans, I think that you can finally admit uh, that this rebuild is for real. They've cleared the decks. They're going to be brutal for the rest of this year. And uh, the Austin Matthew oh, they are going to be really on. bad. Yeah, the Austin Matthew race is on in earnest right now in Toronto. The fact that Calgary beat them without three 
you know, key players. In, and, we'll, uh, we'll, and, and let, let's talk about yeah, that. Yeah, let's jump and, over that. Why not? Yeah, sure. There was a discipline issue uh, that uh, caused the, the flames to shock everybody. I mean, when I was doing my DFS article, I promoted uh, Sean Monaghan as a guy that would have a big night against the Leafs before this news came out. And uh, I put Gaudreau in my FanDuel lineup and only saw the news about it at, at a, little, a little after 7 o'clock after lineups had locked. And yeah. that was the difference for me between uh, finishing in and out of the money last night. That oh, that pain. sucks. That sucks. But So they, they made a statement by sitting out Gaudreau, Monaghan, and Lance Buma, three of their top six forwards, and against the Leafs. They thought they could get by and, and uh, probably eke out a win because this is a team that's still in the playoff hunt. They're eight points out of a playoff spot right now with 30 games to play. So uh, it was a bit of a dicey move, and I wonder if they would have pulled this off if they were facing the L.A. Kings last night as opposed to the, low, the lowly Leafs. But it bears a discussion and, and really a point to our fantasy listeners that you can't let your foot off the gas when you're looking at the NHL landscape because people that did, they would have capitalized and said, you know, well, let me make a change if, if I find this out before game time. And unfortunately for people like, like you last night, you got caught. It happens. It happens to everybody. And it's a shame that it, when it does, but uh, – a gutsy move by the management team in Calgary, I think. Yeah, the Flames uh, finally acknowledging as an organization that 20-somethings like to drink on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> what a we, discovery. We all know that's what this is about, right? Uh, they must have been at a Super Bowl party, you know, got a little a little toasty. Why not? It's Super Bowl. Uh, miss Late to practice the next day. Sit out a game, boy. Yeah, that's, there's no excuse for that, and uh, the teams really deal with this kind of thing harshly. And uh, even last year in Toronto, Nazem Kadri was suspended three games by Brendan Shanahan for a, a similar indiscretion, making a statement that, you know, what, you're young. These are young guys. They're expected to be the, the leaders of the, the teams that they represent, and uh, the, this behavior won't be tolerated. So kudos to the management team of the Calgary Flames for pulling this one off. I think it's uh, a real feather in their cap, uh, particularly if they – as expected, whip these guys back into shape and get them in, back in line. Uh, they are the future of that team, at least Gaudreau and Monaghan. And so uh, may, letting them know who's boss is, a, is a, an important message. Absolutely. Uh, shall we move on to the Montreal Canadiens? Well, we can, certainly. Montreal Canadiens, Andrew, I've been uh, rejoicing in the fact that they've, <laughs> they've been playing 200. That's an accurate word. 22% uh, hockey for a 26-game stretch that brought them plummeting back to the 500 level, but they've shocked me a little bit with three wins in a row, three home victories, uh, not against world-beater teams on the weekend, but last night they took out the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, in a nice victory, and uh, I'm wondering if we should start believing in this rebound. What do you see are the keys, and are you a believer that the Canadians can turn this thing around? I still say that they're well out of the race. When you look at the games in hand from te- that are that teams ahead of them, including the Pittsburgh Penguins, hold. So it's going to be a, a still a tall mountain to climb, but I wonder if you think that they have a chance. Yeah, we could write off home wins against Carolina and Edmonton, but then to have the Lightning, uh, you know, a, a, clearly a, a far superior uh, bit of competition come to town and to, to beat them fairly handily, uh, I have to say, is impressive. And uh, a lot of the credit has to go to Ben Scrivens, who's been in goal for all three of these games, only giving up four goals on 98 shots in that span, uh, putting up spectacular numbers. Uh, after, you know, in his first four appearances as a Leaf, he seemed to be doing his best impression of a sieve. Uh, the Canadians, you mean? Oh, yeah, as a, sorry. Uh, That's okay. 
Uh, I'm just used to Leafs goalies giving up a lot of goals. <laughs> oh, nice, <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, Scrivens was uh, heroic in in last night's effort, and uh, the the guys that are supposed to deliver the mail they did come through. Thomas Blakanitz has been pretty much MIA for much of uh, large stretches of the season, but he's really put things together in the last little while and was there with a three point effort last night. And uh, PK Subban was pretty dynamic as well. Uh, getting a nice assist. He practically scored one of the goals. He banked it in off one of his teammates in front of the net. So uh, kudos to those guys for getting the ship righted temporarily. But as I said, I still think they got a long road to hoe, and uh, they're going to need a Herculean effort to get back in the playoffs once you consider the fact that there are a couple of teams ahead of them with games in hand. The Canadians need to go on an extended run. And I look at this roster, and without a top goalie, and uh, all hands on deck. I don't know how they can do it. So yeah, I'm going to be I'm going to be in the camp that says no, they're not going to make it. Yeah. Well, the nice thing is they're building a little bit of momentum, uh, and they have a chance to build on that a little bit more because they get a pretty solid matchup uh, with the Sabers on Friday. So they've got a chance to make it four wins in a row. Uh, you know, we've seen kind of runs like this from Scrivens before. Uh, you know, you only need to look at his uh, you know the back of his hockey card to see. The way that he put up, like uh, it was a about a 920, 922 save percentage between Edmonton and LA two years ago, and yeah. then in, and then with Edmonton for the whole season last year, uh, 890. It's a the Jekyll and Hyde act is nothing new for Scrivens, and so we were kind of left wondering when Hyde is going to come back, uh, and it's probably going to be the next time that they have a uh, tough matchup. Well, my guess. And further to that, let me throw one out uh, at you, a question about their goaltending situation. There are going to be options as the trade deadline approaches. Two of them that are pretty glaring to me are one of the two Leaf goalies, uh, Bernier or Reimer. Reimer's up up, up there in terms of save percentage uh, leaders in the league. He's ranking about sixth or seventh at last look. And uh, Cam Ward is another guy whose contract is expiring, and maybe the, the Hurricanes try to peddle him. I suggest to you that both of those guys are an upgrade to uh, anybody that they have in their current lineup. And if they're really serious about a playoff run or a playoff chase uh, without uh, Carey Price being a factor, and it certainly looks like he won't be, I wonder if they'll take a shot at one of these two guys. Well, it's definitely a question of strategy. And I guess the the question really is, uh, you know, is the team in tank mode? And do you actually think that the Canadians with a, a Cam Ward or a James Reimer in goal are anything like the team that you know they looked like at the beginning of this year when they had Carey Price, or that they looked like last year uh, with Carey Price turning in the magical season? Uh, I think that this is a team that's very reliant on the goal, the play of the goalie. And when you have a, a guy that's a, a superstar like Price, it's hard to replace him, even with you know uh, guys who are, are good goalies. Reimer's a good goalie. Cam Ward is an average, maybe a slightly above average goalie at this point in his career. Would you say? You know what? And beyond that, Andrew, I wonder at the at the end of the season in the award voting, will Carey Price garner some votes for MVP just because he wasn't there this year? Yes. As opposed to most valuable absence. <laughs> That's right. So uh, uh, there's another key absence on a team that passed the Canadians like they were standing still, still in the last couple of weeks. That's Evgeny Malkin, uh, one of the big shooters in Pittsburgh, obviously. Uh, that team is being riding the coattails of Mr. Malkin for much of the first half of the season. But over the last three weeks, we've talked about Sidney Crosby, pulling uh, 
his weight and more, and really uh, that's catapulted the Penguins into a playoff position. But now if Kenny Malkin is, is on the shelf with an undisclosed injury, but uh, the rumor is that he's going to stay out for at least another week, and uh, you wonder if that's going to take, uh, take the Pens down a notch. And uh, who is it that's taking his place in the lineup, and uh, what do you see from them in the next little while? Yeah, the word is a, a knee injury for Malkin, and it stinks because we've seen this before, you know. We thought that he was going to be gone for a game or two, and now it's three, and they're saying that he's going to be out at least another week. Uh, so I don't know if there's going to be a whole lot of benefit for anyone uh, in the Penguins lineup here. Uh, Malkin is a big part of what makes that second line what it is. Uh, Matt Cullen stepping in seeing some of those second-line minutes. Uh, has put up a, a couple of goals recently, but you can't really count on much from him. So mostly, uh, if you're a, a Malkin fantasy owner, all you can do is write it out and hope that uh, Gino can make it back in good time. Uh, you know, we're just hitting that period that we all knew we had to hit. Uh, he never plays 82. The inevitable Evgeny Malkin injury update. Now, uh, I, I looked at the fortunes of the Arizona Coyotes, Andrew, and I'm, I'm wondering. This is a team that is uh, surprisingly in the playoff hunt, and a team that is on the upswing just because of the. Uh, array of young stars that they've added and uh, the fact that Shane Doan won't start acting like a 39-year-old. In fact, he's found the fountain of youth out there. I'm going to throw something out that, from left field at you, and that's the name of Austin Matthews, who was uh, born and raised in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I wonder how important he might be to the Arizona Coyote plans. Do they have to make a big play for this guy because he's a a native son, or I think it'd be a real nice thing, a focal point for this franchise, which has been sorely in need of one, because otherwise they've, they've toiled in anonymity for as long as they've been out in the desert. Uh, I'm wondering if they were got to re really make a big, big play for this guy. Uh, by a big play, you mean tanking? Tanking or making a trade offer that, that will blow somebody out of the water at the, at the draft. I'm, I'm suggesting that, say, Toronto is a team that wins the lottery. And the Leafs go to the go to the Coyotes and say, "Okay, we'd like Max Domi and Anthony Duclair." You, as the Arizona manager, what do you say to that? Um, well, that's an interesting question. I think I'd take it. I mean, I would take it. I would. Matthews, I think, is going to be a, a game changer. Uh, but then, but then again, Domi already is a game changer in a lot of ways, and he's only going to get better. I think it's a matter for Arizona of if you're looking at a sort of a, a, a two-year plan or a five-year plan, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's that's why it's intriguing. I just think that uh, particularly with the Toronto angle, Domi would be a very attractive piece coming here uh, where, where it's kind of his home, so it's kind of trading places for these two guys. And I, I know the ceiling is higher on, on Matthews, so that's why I think the Leafs would need to get more in return. And since they are out in uh, full rebuild mode, Maybe that's something they consider. They get two or three pieces for a guy that could be a franchise player that really makes a difference in Arizona, both on and off the ice. So that's why there could, could be a little bit of extra intrigue around the Austin Matthews circumstance just because of the, the Coyotes' plans, if they have any designs on him. So That's a valid something. speculation. I like that. Good. Well, I thought I don't think you'll hear it any other place than our show, Andrew, and that's why I thought let's come up with something fresh and new, and uh, let's see if anybody catches up to us on that one. And speaking of catching up, beautiful segues here. <laughs> I love this. The Anaheim Ducks. This is a team that we, we thought would sooner or later get their act together, Andrew, and right now they're looking at like a lock for a playoff spot. 
But the way they went about it is kind of uh, interesting, and that's separating Getzlaff and Perry, who've been a long-time dynamic duo here. I see it as a real key. Let's remind our listeners who's playing with these guys on the top two lines. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, who is playing with them on the top two lines? Uh, it's been a little bit of a, a mix, uh, yeah. really. Uh, you had Chris Stewart there, was, was hanging out with Getzlaff for a little while, and he's kind of gone from there. Uh, we've got Perry right now is with uh, Rickard Raquel. Uh, he scored a couple of goals last night, uh, the first two goals. Uh, so he had the, the game winner against Philadelphia yesterday. Oh, no, it was, they went 4-2 or 4-1? 4-2. It was 4-1, huh? 4-1. Yeah, so he did get the game winner. Yeah. Now, uh, interesting interesting thing here is I, I like Chris Stewart in this lineup. He's typical of what they like to trot out as the big uh, power forward, and he had a good run with Getzlaff, but Silverberg, Silverberg is a guy that has an abundance of offensive skills, so he's going to get a, a look there on, on Getzlaff's right wing. The guy on the left side, uh, David Perron, is a guy who, who they hope really finds his groove. He's bounced around on a couple of other teams, high-profile teams, but never really found a fit in St. Louis or Pittsburgh. They're hoping that he finds his scoring touch there. Patrick Maroon is another guy who's had turns on the first line, so there's guys with top six experience here that overflow the top six uh, spots. They, they have Kessler manning the third line, so they're really deep offensively, and I maintain that they have one of the stronger defenses if these guys play to their abilities, and that's where there's been a failing in my estimation, Andrew, where we haven't seen the best of Cam Fowler uh, for long stretches. Sammy Vatman's kind of been up and down. Hampus Lindholm has been up and down. They're not getting the best out of this defense that I, that I think they could. And uh, they're being propped up by the fact that they're scoring a ton of goals. And uh, in goal, John Gibson's been uh, a real revelation since he got called up from the Liners. Yeah, if, uh, as far as Fowler goes, I feel like he's a guy who needs a partner that can really hold things down on the defensive end. And uh, Kevin Bieksa is, is kind of that guy. I mean, he's he's in that role, uh, you know, once uh, more of an offensive defenseman back in at, at one point in his career. But now he's kind of tasked with uh, being uh, Fowler's defensive conscience, and it's, it hasn't worked out quite as well as you would like to see. Uh, as far as Perone goes, you know, he, he's a guy who came out red hot in his start with the Ducks, uh, eight points in the first six games. He's cooled off over the last three, uh, scoreless in that span, only two shots on goal, and uh, a couple of times he skated under 12 minutes, although he's still seeing time on the power play. So... Uh, good, good to to not overreact. I and mean, when you see guys like Perron, and and he's a particular case where you know uh, obviously his career has been shortened by injuries. He's been uh, kind of inconsistent. Uh, one year he's you know putting up 50 points, the next year he's struggling to get to 40. Uh, you know you see guys like that, and they go on these big runs after a change of scenery. Uh, a lot of fantasy owners can overreact to that information. It's good to be able to take a step back and and consider the history of a guy like this. Right, and uh, we want to also compare and contrast what's gone on in Anaheim with their cross-state rivals in San Jose. They also made a change at the top of their roster, separating Marlowe and Thornton, a long-time pairing at the top line in, in the Sharks' roster, and they've uh, put Marlowe in the middle. And This is a guy who has long said that he feels that he would be better utilized in a center role. Finally, he's getting a chance to play there in the, in the last few weeks, moving Logan Couture into a third spot, that's a very deep one, two, three uh, in the center position. And they populated the wings with some uh, some guys that are up-and-comers. We all know about Joe Pavelski. That's not an up-and-comer. Joel Ward is a guy that's been, been a plugger, uh, real good power forward for years, too. But the likes of Thomas Hurdle, Matt Nieto, and uh, Tommy Wingles 
are also filling in the top three lines. And uh, there's not many teams that have that kind of offensive depth, and that's been a real key for the Sharks in uh, their run toward the top of the, 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 their division, too. Yeah, and another piece of good news for them is that Logan Couture, after a uh, uh, broken, le- broken foot, uh, yeah. sidelined him at the beginning of the year, and then he had the, the other injury, the leg injury, after after coming back. You know, he wasn't uh, quite himself for those first, uh, you know, like 15 games after returning, but uh, three power play points in the last two games, he's really starting to come alive, and that's huge for this team. That's right, and a team that's going in the other direction, and maybe the, the death knell was sounded uh, recently when Alex Edler went down, is the Vancouver Canucks. This is the team that has been treading water unsuccessfully for the last few weeks, and uh, this is a blow to their defense because he's the linchpin of that blue line, and I don't see much help uh, on the horizon if, if he doesn't get back in the lineup soon. This team could sink like a stone. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, this team has already been kind of on the on the verge of sinking like a stone, as you say. Uh, even before that, you know, a, a very inconsistent season in Vancouver. They find themselves in the bottom half of the Pacific Division, you know, with uh, 12 overtime losses, leading the NHL in that category. Uh, this a team uh, just seems to lack uh, staying power at this point. Yeah, and uh, going through another team in the in the West, in the Pacific Division, the Edmonton Oilers. And this is where we'll kind of transition into kind of who's hot right now and who's in demand in, in the fantasy with some of the most added and most dropped players. I'll throw some names up for you to, to react to, Andrew. Benoit Pouliot is in a real good spot uh, alongside Connor McDavid and Jordan Everly. He's got six points in his last five games. Nobody sees this guy as a 30-goal scorer or even a 25-goal scorer. But in this situation, he's in a very good place and uh, probably worth a worth a bet or two or or an ad or two in in season long fantasy. Yeah, um, all all Pouliot's got to do is come along with his two uh, mega stud line mates. You know, Eberle has had a, a tough year, but he's been really energized by the return of Connor McDavid, and uh, that trio looks like they have great chemistry. Uh, and it's it's Pouliot's coming along for the offensive ride. You know, six points in the last five games. Uh, you can still get him dirt cheap in pretty much any DFS site. That's probably going to persist for a while because he's just not a name brand player. Uh, so great, great value there, both in season long and in DFS for Pouliot. And uh, but very few players have outscored this next guy. I'll throw out, and that's Vincent Trocheck in Florida. He's emblematic of what's happened in in uh, the Sunshine State uh, of late. This team has cruised to the top of the Atlantic Division with an outstanding. It's surprising effort, and he is really racking up the points. He has four multi-point efforts in his last eight out, seven outings, and uh, anchoring a second scoring line in Florida. We all know about the Yager unit, but Trocek is out there and really anchoring a second scoring line, and he's one of the bigger ads. He's surrounded by UC Okunen, who's a great puck distributor, and Riley Smith, who has some good skills in and around the net, too. So a pretty strong second unit that they've formed there, and... Uh, even with Alex Barkov out, they've made a move to put Nick Bukestad up in the top line. He was a guy who was a top six forward much of last season. Hasn't had much of a chance this season, much of a season this year. I don't look for them to miss too much of a beat on that top line with him taking Barkov's place, even though Barkov's considered day-to-day. So love what's happening in Florida. They're writing a great story, but Vincent Trocek is probably not a name that people thought about much in fantasy. But he's getting a good look right now. Yeah, Jokinen has been a red-hot, and Trocek actually... If I can toot my own horn, is a guy I've loved since he was in the minor leagues. Uh, I picked him up in my dynasty league earlier this year, uh, way back in what was it? It was, was uh, the 
the first of December, I traded for Vincent Trocheck in my dynasty league, uh, and uh, I'm gonna take a little credit for that. That's a uh, that's a hockey trade of the year right now uh, with the way, with the way that he's been going lately. Ten points in the last six games, killing it. No question. Another guy who's killing it. We already mentioned Sidney Crosby in Pittsburgh. He's settled on uh, line mates now, and he's bringing them along in his wake. One of the guys who's a big mover and uh, most added guy is Chris Kunitz, veteran player. He's played on the international stage representing Canada in the past, so he's not without his own set of offensive skills. And, and right now he's getting a long look in fantasy, and uh, maybe we can bump his tires a little bit, Andrew. Absolutely. You know, 36 years old, Chris Kunitz, uh, which... You know, and I've said this before, it continues to shock me. I feel like his age has really snuck up on us. <laughs> but, you know, he looked completely washed up. I mean, before this recent stretch, he was just awful this year. I mean, he was having a you know brutal year on the wire in every fantasy league with 13 points and 41 games. And then Crosby wakes up, Keenitz reunited with him. All of a sudden, 12 points in the last nine, and a plus 12 rating in 10 penalty minutes just to uh, round, out, round out the line. That's been a huge, huge boon for Chris Kunitz and uh, Patrick Hornquist, too. Uh, yeah. Don't forget about him. He's coming along on that line as well. Uh, he's on a, on a huge run of his own, 14 points in the last 12 games. Yeah. So uh, these guys, uh, you know, they come in at that lower cap hit in DFS. They're, they're available in more leagues, obviously, than a Sidney Crosby. But, you know, when he, he's not doing it all by himself, he's passing it to them, they're passing it back to him, and uh, it's going to the net. Right, and uh, a couple of the guys that are trying to be puck stoppers, their, their stock is in decline, though, most recently. And I'm looking in Arizona and Winnipeg for the next two guys. Connor Hellybuck, his stock is dropping. Uh, Andres Pavlik is ready to come off the IR in, in the next few days. You wonder, they got a tough call to make in Winnipeg, and it seems like people in fantasy are anticipating this and bailing on Hallibuck, and you wonder if uh, if that might be premature because he showed a lot uh, for a long stretch earlier in the season. It's just going to be interesting to see how things play out in Winnipeg, uh, but they do uh, owe a debt of gratitude for the service of, that Pavlik's given him in the past, and I think they're anxious to find out what he's got this year. In Arizona, Domingue has been a real good placeholder for Mike Smith in his absence, but his stock has dropped because he's been shelled in his last three outings, giving up a total of 15 goals, five in each of those games, and it seems like maybe the air has popped out of his balloon. Yeah, it's been a little bit of the case for both of them. Hellebuck had a really tough homestand uh, where he took three losses and was lucky to avoid a fourth one, uh, put up an 862 save percentage over a, a five-game span there. So, uh, you know, the bloom's off the rose a little bit, but at the same time, you look at, you know, look at down that game log, they're playing him every day. They're playing him in back-to-back games uh, over Michael Hutchinson, and, you know, you're going to burn a goalie out like that, especially when you're talking about a 22-year-old goalie in his first taste of the NHL. You're going to start him in, a, in what, a 12 games in a row? Like, uh, it's, it's moronic, frankly, yeah, it's, uh, it's when you're trying to develop a young talent like that. Exactly. He needs to be insulated, and maybe that's one uh, part of the thinking with the public coming back. Maybe they'll uh, sacrifice Hutchison in this circumstance uh, just to give the uh, – I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong team. Uh, no, no, you got it. Hutchison. I got, okay, Hutchison, yeah. Uh, and so 
they're looking at a way to spell uh, spell the kid, and uh, and maybe that's that's the th- part of the thinking that will go into that decision, Andrew. So we'll see how that plays out. But there's a lot of guys that are moving up and down on these most added, most dropped lists. It's really incumbent on the fantasy players to be on top of this, particularly over the next few weeks when we're heading toward the trade deadline. There's going to be a lot of volatility in rosters, and uh, we'll hope to un- uh, decipher some of those moves in the next coming weeks. But Absolutely. Part of what we do well is... Uh, share our uh, kudos with some of the uh, other aspects of Rotowire, and I'll give you the opportunity to do that now, uh, pumping the tires from some of our other podcasts and other other aspects of Rotowire. That's right. If you'd like to check out the publication, the only website, with 17, 17 Fantasy Sports Writers Association nominations this year and four wins, plus uh, whichever ones we have on the, the tech side of things. Yeah. Rotowire.com. You can get a free 10-day subscription at rotowire.com slash pod. Check out our player notes. Check out our articles. Check out yours truly, Hockey Writer of the Year. I write some <laughs> things now and again. <laughs> Time to do it. It's an attraction. You've got to get a gif of you dancing around celebrating, I think. Honestly. I feel like uh, every time that, that they announce the, the Fantasy Sports Writers Association Awards, uh, I read through them and I'm like, I could really compete in a lot of these categories. Like, how have I not written a humor article yet? I could totally do that. Uh, I and and then I just forget about it. And then they're like, oh, we're now we're taking nominations. I'm like, oh shit, I didn't write anything. Uh, oh, I didn't. That, we're supposed to use family friendly language, I think. Uh, okay. This was one of those. You got the oh, hiccup. The uh, the FCC will uh, will be calling me later. You got to rescind your award. After that. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you lose the award for a, a foul mouth, a potty mouth, if you will. Uh, let's let's slide into the stud of the week, Grant Andrew. And uh, aside from you, another stud of the week <laughs> this week on the on uh, in my view is Brendan Shanahan. You know, since he has taken over as president of the Leafs, time and time again, he's sought a goal and he's achieved it. Whatever this guy wants. He simply goes out and gets. I mentioned earlier in the show there were three horrible contracts on the Leafs books that seemed to me to be a huge albatross albatross on the organization. In short order, this team has gotten rid of all of them. And, and he's brought in a guy like Lou Lamorello. He's brought in a guy like uh, Mike Babcock. He's created a, a pretty Hall of Fame front office. And now he's, he's doing a scorched earth rebuild and nary one Leaf sweater has been tossed on the ice by an angry fan like last year the ice was littered with them. He's made it a real uh, solid mandate to, to say we're going to go to the bottom, but we're going to rise, and we're going to rise prudently, and he's just gone about it in such a very smart and systematic way that in a hockey-mad market, even though this team is destined for 30th in the NHL standings, the people have not lost their minds uh, in the media or in in the fans uh, in the seats. They're still coming out coming out in droves and fully supportive of what's happening in Toronto. This guy has been a magician for the way he's kept things uh, flowing in the right direction and uh, righted this ship at least in the short term. Yeah, if I can bring another sport into it, uh, I don't know if you saw this uh, amazing video today from uh, from yesterday of. Uh, German soccer fans bombarding the field with tennis balls to protest ah, high I, ticket prices. I did not. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's amazing. And and, you uh, know, and, and it's going to be Leafs fans doing that, and I don't know what they're going to be throwing if they don't get <laughs> Steven Stamkos. 
Well, that's true. That's the big fish that's out there. But uh, insiders uh, are now coming in line with what I said about a year ago, that, that it's a matter of time and it's a matter of money. The Leafs have all the money. Tampa certainly doesn't have the financial latitude. If they do spend a lot of money on Sam Coast, they're going to have to get rid of or relinquish the opportunity to sign some of their other young players. So one way or another, they're caught. And I think they've made a decision already behind closed doors that Steven Stamkos is a guy that they're going to have to live life without after this playoff run. I got to slide into a rant of the week, though, Andrew. I've watched the highlights every night, and the only time it seems they show goalies, very rarely are they making big saves. But you wonder, what you see what they're doing when they're giving up goals. And some, I, I, I've been a frustrated goalie coach, I guess, for years and years because I see the same tendencies. And I actually got to talk to James Reimer about this uh, a while back. And I, I said to him, big guys like you have to stand at the top of the blue ice. And that was a loaded comment because I watched this guy from behind. He was not above the blue ice for, for much of last season, and his save percentage reflected that with a very low totals. This year, the analysts are saying what I, what I pointed out. He's at the top of the ice. He's standing up. He's blocking shots. And, and in five-on-five stats, he's second in the league in terms of, of uh, save percentage among all goalies in the NHL. I think that's a big part, a big change in his game. And I saw a contrast last night with a guy who should know and do better, and that's Bishop in Tampa. He went down to his knees the minute that a couple of guys were in their backswings from Montreal. And, of course, what they did, they saw this, and they roofed it on him, and they got two easy goals. And and that was the difference in the game with the Habs and and the, the Lightning. And it speaks to the fact that goalies, when they're confident, they are out at the top of the crease. We have a case of where one is and the other one isn't, and this is a prime example of what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's very much a style thing. Uh, some goalies are a lot more aggressive than others. And, uh, and I think today's NHL does reward those aggressive plays. Uh, although, you know, you also see guys make those plays that end up uh, well out of position uh, while there's a scrum in front of them then. The puck eventually gets popped in. So it's a little bit of a, a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing sometimes. Yeah, and one guy that uh, kind of flies in the face of what I said. Am I getting another call from the FCC for that one? No, no, okay, I, I, I we'll let that slide. One of the it's guys, like a beaver dam kind of thing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> nice. One of the guys that flies in the face of that is Henrik Lundqvist, though. This is a guy who manages to stay well back in the net and uses his fantastic reflexes to uh, bat away pucks when uh, other goalies would have no chance but to flail away in vain. So he may be the anomaly among all the NHL goalies right now. But uh, sure, Maybe that's why Martin Brodeur never liked him. He's like, he just stays there. What's he doing? Yeah, that's He's true. He's aggressive when he needs to be. <laughs> and uh, we are good when we need to be, and we're, we have fun when we want to have fun, and that's what this show is all about, fun and informative. And, Andrew, I think that's a fine way to wa- wrap up another episode. So uh, on your behalf, for Andrew Fiorentino, I'm Paul Bruno for Rotowire's Hockey Podcast, The Great Ones, signing off for another week. We'll look forward to coming back at you next week. Thank you very much. So long, everybody. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. 
You can even get Harry's five-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. 